I am Suleiman Hassan and this is Soldiers for Recovery. And one may say, what is Suleiman going to speak on today? One will speak on change. You need to change your thinking, change your behavior, and change that attitude. Those three things are the reason why you keep returning back to these drugs and things that's going to kill you. Aren't you tired of waking up and got to apologize to everybody? Aren't you tired of getting up not realizing what you done did last night? See, some of us forget about all that when you got some clean time. Because they done made some changes, but they wind up going right back to the disease, thinking they can have one more. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't make that change and stick to that change, the change is going to change you. And what is it going to change me into? You're going to be dead. You're going to be in that casket. Your family going to be praying over you one day because you didn't want to change. You got to grow up and realize that this is a disease of addiction by any means necessary today. Make that change and don't use. Hello, friends and family. Welcome to the Sober as Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. I'm extremely, extremely, extremely inspired today to bring you our special guest, Suleiman Hassan, the founder of Soldiers for Recovery. This man is the exact example of what we need more of in the recovery community. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy's an activist. He's out there all the time for the people. He is an amazing force of nature. He's not afraid to get down, dirty, close to the attic. He brings the reality of the attic to us in a very amazing way because he'll go and show you the real conditions that's happening on the street with the addiction community. And he's extremely courageous, extremely powerful for us. He recently did a powerful walk where he had a um, demonstration for the recovery community in his hometown. I'm just inspired. You know, I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of outreach. I do a lot of one-on-one work. But it's rare when you see someone that's really in the streets, really on the ground, doing the hard work. And I'm really excited to bring him today. Suleiman Hassan is the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Soldiers for Recovery. He is changing the way the community addresses substance use disorder. Starting at a young age, Suleiman was exposed to the hard realities of this disease, which also led to his own battle. After numerous years of battling this disease and multiple inpatient stays, he has transformed his life. Suleiman is an active community volunteer through multiple avenues, including being a fully licensed barber. He created Soldiers for Recovery to uplift others battling this disease so they can achieve their own dreams. His main goal is to save lives and help others thrive in recovery. Soldiers for Recovery is on a mission to help those in addiction. You can help them as well by donating to their movement and saving lives. I'm a link to soldiersforrecovery.org, but you can check out www.soldiersforrecovery.org. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a real honor. I'm really excited. I'm really humbled to speak to this amazing gentleman. And I am definitely looking to pick his brain to see how I could get more involved in the streets and with the people and taking this recovery message to the actual human beings that's still in addiction. I think 
most of us in the recovery community that has podcasts and is doing work, we try to motivate people that's in recovery to stay in recovery. And we focus a lot on sobriety and recovery. There's before and after mentality, this before and after picture culture. And I think sometimes we tend to alienate the actual addict. And I think we have to find a balance to where, where our message is addressing both the addict and the recovering addict, because there's people that's still in the darkness and they need our message just as much as someone that's in recovery needs the message. And I think Suleiman Hassan, the founder of Soldiers for Recovery, figured that out. And he's definitely a trailblazer and he's definitely on the front lines. So with no further ado, I can't wait for you guys to enjoy my talk with the founder of Soldiers for Recovery, Suleiman Hassan. Enjoy. Disclaimer and trigger warning. This episode deals with sensitive topics and just want to notify anyone who may be listening that may be sensitive to these subjects to be cautious and we want to respectfully issue a trigger warning. First of all, welcome to the Sober's Dope Experience, brother, the podcast. How you? How are you doing today, brother? Bless, man. God, God is good. God is good. God is good. I did a big intro for you. I did a big intro, so that's going to play. I already did that. So now we could just kick it. But first, before we start, I just want to thank you. I have to thank you for a couple of reasons, and it's important that the world hears this. There's many of us who talk about sobriety and we help the addicts who's in recovery and we're talking about sobriety in the recovery process. And we live this before and after picture culture. And then we tend to forget about the addicts that's still in the streets and still on the ground. And they need even more help than ever. And you're one of the people that's been out there showing us the reality of what's going on feeding the people, being there for the people, encouraging them and loving them. And it's a call to action for all of us to step our game up and to get up behind the computers and start going back into the streets. So you being the trailblazer in that, I want to thank you and just give you big props for that, brother. Oh, man, thank you. Um, I want to thank you um, for having me. And and and, and I'm beyond um, grateful and thankful for this opportunity to be able to speak on your platform and allowing soldiers for recovery to, you know, deliver a message or give some insight or answer any questions that uh, the viewers and your viewers may want to, uh, you know, know what it is that I do, my background and everything else. I am so humbled by this. Like you don't even understand, like, you know what I mean? Nah, nah, I got it. I'm humble too, brother. From the moment, you know, another thing is black men, it's important because I, it's hard. I, it's hard finding other brothers is like us. We're out there, but we're far in between. And I, when I first saw you, I was like, this is my dude. I got a link with him. When I get a, my whip back and this pandemic's over, I say I got to come find you because I'm, I'm, I'm out here in New York. I'm from Brooklyn. You know, I do hip hop and all of that. So we in the same culture, man. It's all the same. 
And um, I was like, I got a link with you. So that's exciting. But what I want to talk about is I want to talk about you, your story. How did you get sober, clean? What was your drug of choice? What's your origin story? If you could just let us know how you, you know, from the beginning and, you know, humbly how you got to this point. We'll love to hear your story. bro. Okay. well, um, uh, man, how much time we got? We got the whole hour, brother. So, you know, you you know. Yes, yes. So all the viewers out there, how's everyone? I hope this message reaches everyone that are that is suffering with addiction openly, openly, I'm a little nervous, and in silence. But me, my name is Suleiman Hassan. I grew up in West Philly. Um, I'm from a, a family of nine, nine kids. My mother had um my mother had six girls and actually three boys, but one of us passed. My older brother had passed. Um, my father was an addict, a heroin addict, alcohol abuser. Uh, my mother was an addict. She was a crack cocaine addict as well as an alcohol abuser. Um, growing up in my home, you know, my mom kept it solid, you know, for the most part when her and my father was together. but. My father would get drunk, black out, and beat the brakes out of her. Oh, so growing up in a hostile home like that, you know, it was well hidden. But at the same time, seeing your mom with black eyes and bruises, you know, it really struck a chord in me then. You know, a lot of people don't know um, your addiction starts when you tell the first lie and when you realize you can get away with it. Right. Right. You know, going to school, you know, I'm sad. I was a sad kid, you know, because after my mother uh, eventually got the courage to um, leave him, you know, at that time, my mother wasn't using. She wasn't using. He was. He was an active alcoholic, drug abuser, heroin addict. And um, one day my mom uh, got me and my older brother and she's like, yo, uh, put some clothes on. We getting out of here. And uh, I can remember the day like yesterday, us, my father went to work and um, my mother left uh, seven kids in the house and me and my brother went with her and we had to run out the back door and climb a fence. Mind you, I'm like five years old, wow. you know? Wow. So the trauma, right. the trauma, you know, at five years old that, that a lot of, uh, you know, kids, not just me, go through, uh, it all leads up to us using but uh, we wound up in the shelter, um, us and eight kids, my mother and eight kids. And uh, we stayed there for about a year and a half. And um, um, eventually we got out of there and uh, we got our own place. And my mother was very hands on with us. You know what I'm saying? So by the time I between six and seven, my mother was very hands on. It brings the tears in my eyes because I'm still emotional about it. Right. Um, right. Damn, man, she used to like, and look, I'm 41. Me too, I'm me 41. too. Me too, me too, yeah, brother. Right. And, and, and I'm letting y'all men know it's okay to cry. Right, right. It's, it's a safe space, okay brother. Right, You right. know, things that happened to you that was beyond your power, let that shit out. Right, amen, and, and brother. As I sit here, you know, it brings tears in my eyes because... My mother was very hands on with us. Like we planted, you know, flowers. We had, you know, she kept us uh, like locked in. You know what I mean? She right. kept us sheltered uh, and uh, 
We used to plant flowers. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, everything was structured. You know, she would sit down. We sang songs, and 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 it was it was a home. Right. It was a home, and that was the only time in my life that I felt you know that I could get by like like trauma and all. I didn't you know that me hopping over that fence and stuff just went away because I had I had my mother. Right, right. I had my mother. Right. Then. One day, uh, you know, mom got lonely, you know, it's lonely out there. She met my stepfather. Uh, as I remember, the man come to the house and a year later, you know, we had a big house, like one of them Brooklyn brownstone joints. Right. Man, the house was big because she had nine kids. Right. You know, you ground and play tag in and get lost. But right. once she met my stepfather, a year later, we downsized from like a nine-bedroom house, nine-bedroom house to, I believe, a four or five-bedroom house. Okay. And from there, it was, it, it was all she wrote. I went from not going outside at all to going outside, coming in two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. All the rules went out the window. My mother became addicted to crack cocaine, which was introduced to her by my stepfather. Okay. That's where the trauma. Right. Going over the neighbors' houses with notes on my shirt because we don't have no food. I went from, you know, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner to eating out of dumpsters. Damn. Damn. As a kid. Yeah. As a kid, I lived right behind the supermarket, the truck, the people that come deliver the food would sit bread and food on the wall, knowing that the lady across the street was on crack cocaine and had eight kids. Wow. I had clothes. I had no shoes. Good thing back in the 80s that we still had Miss Mary and, and, and George and, you know, and uh, Henry. Right. But those things led me to go to school and I, I got addicted to lying about my condition. That was my first addiction as a adolescent. Okay. Okay. So eventually, eventually I get to my teens. Now I'm hustling now. Okay. Got you. I'm out in the streets. I'm hustling. I my first addiction after lying was stealing cars. See, a lot of people, they don't know when you're young, addiction starts young. Right, right. It starts, it don't start when you're older. You already was 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 addicted to something. Most kids, they're addicted to kid, uh, right now to phones. That's right. an addiction. It is. It is, certainly. Mine started with cars. From cars to alcohol. From cars to alcohol and women. Mm. By the time I was 21, I was a full-fledged alcoholic. Right, right, right. And three and a half years in jail due to car theft, grand theft auto. Even in there, I was drinking mouthwash. Damn. It's tough, brother. I know. I know. Tell him, man. Tell him. Because I wanted that buzz. I wanted to feel, you know, intoxicated. Right. They had medications. I took that. I took anything. And 
for real, for real, it was the numb, the trauma that I went through during my adolescence. Right, right. To, now, to, now that I'm grown now, now that I went and got therapy, went and got help, went to rehab, sat down with the psychiatrist, now I know why I did all these things. But back then, me not knowing, being ignorant that I'm an addict, being in denial that I was an addict, I didn't know that I had to face all these demons. So I'm in there, I'm in jail, I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking everything. Right. Everything. Right. Got home, got home, started drinking. I drank all through my 20s, man. Yeah. yeah. All through my 20s of the blackouts, waking up, not knowing where I'm at. One time I woke up, I'm down the water, waterfront. I don't even know how I got there. I got hit in the head right here. Wow. Pistol, with a wow. pistol. Yeah. I'm home. My wife had to, you know, stitch me up. Yeah. You know, uh, um, that was during my 20s. And then by the time I was 26, I got introduced to pills. Wow. I got wow. in the accident. I got in a fight with my, uh, I got, I blacked out. I started beating, beat, um, punching on my sister. And I'm being honest. No, that's what's up, brother. Punching on her. And then my other sister boyfriend jumped on me to get me off of her. I don't remember anything. That led me to have a fractured skull. Wow. Then they prescribed you the pills. Prescribed me the pills. Didn't right. know. Didn't know. Didn't know what it was. But I knew once I started, I was about 20, I want to say 20, 28, 20, 27, 28 is when I started pills. I'm a barber, so I cut hair. Right. And I had a client. He, he had cancer. And he said, yo, I heard you was in an accident. Hey, I get a bunch of these. So now I'm getting pills. All I had to do was cut his head. Wow. 20. It starts off. Dad, you might get away with taking that pill, that one pill once a day. But before you know it's going to be two a day, three a day, four a day, five a day. Right. Next, you know, you popping 25 12s at one time. I started Damn. popping 20 of them at one time. My wife used to videotape because I would stop breathing. I would stop breathing for, for long periods at a time where she had to shake me. Wow. You know, but then that led to, okay, damn, I found out y'all got bananas, the tens. That's for those who don't know. Right. We call them. Then they had 20s. Then they had 30s. Then they had the 40s. Then they had the 80s. I wound up graduating to, to you know, the Oxycontins. Right. I, just to start my day, to start my day, I needed to start off with the Oxycontins, two of them. By the end of the day, I was taking eight of them all day. Them joints was $50 a pill. Damn. And then I found a plug and got them for 25 I would come home for years like that. And to look my wife in my eyes and tell her I had a bad fucking day. And I cried today. I cried because I'm ashamed of that. Good. I want family to be homeless. I've been homeless with my family three times. Three times. 
three times with my family. I stayed in the streets. I stayed at the mosque. I stayed where I could, and I still didn't stop getting high. That addiction is no joke, man. You know, these these companies set dudes up for failure with those pills. Your story echoes like millions of others, man. So, like, I know it's I know how you feel, but you got like that shit was beyond your control to a certain degree because we didn't even know the science, man. Those pills is devastating. Absolutely. But then I had a client. He like, yo, you spending too much money, man. And he kept cracking at me for like a year and a half. I'm like, nah. He like, listen, all you got to do, I'm telling you, man, you, you get some heroin, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And one day, one day he come in there. My pill connect went down to Baltimore. <laughs> he come in and I'm cutting, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting withdrawal. Like I'm going through withdrawal. Right, right, so, right. I'm in pain. I can barely move. He look. He sit down. He like, I see you over there going through it, Shay. I got something for you. And I'm like, no, I'm all right. You know, I'm playing it off. No, I'm cool. That same breath that I said I, I was cool, I said, let me get that. What I got to do? Because I'm not doing no needs. She said, you ain't got to do that. All you got to do is snort it. Okay. I went in the bathroom, snorted that bag. It was the best feeling I ever felt in my life. See, I ain't one that's going to sit here in front and act like I don't love the drug. Because right. I okay. do. Okay. I do. I do. I'm not going to say, say I hate, oh, I hate him. No. I love how it made me feel. To the extent that I gave away everything of my life. I gave away three years of my life to that thing. Three years straight. Straight. I love how, and I still love it to the day. But guess what? I love me more. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. I love myself more. I love it, but guess what? I don't. I don't love what it did to my life. Correct. Correct. So I do what I do today to stay reminded. And that's just a brief story. I didn't want to go too nah, far. Nah, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Let me ask you this, man. Well, one, thanks for your honesty, brother. And your story is going to help a lot of people because, you know, we have a lot of people in the podcast that have to deal with the same thing with the pills. And, it, you know, it's whole, and then it's usually that same narrative. It becomes more affordable. They get on the heroin. Then it's a whole other problem, right? So, how did you get, like, what was the catalyst in your story that led you to get the uh, actual, to start to get withdrawal, the help, like, to get clean? How did well, you start to get clean? Well, for me, like, like, I got clean in 2013, July 25th. But for a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. You may know this. I, uh, uh, the first part of getting clean is accepting that you have a problem. Yes, sir. But, and after you accept that, then it's a whole nother process. I accepted the fact that I was an addict in 20, 2015, okay. but I didn't go get the help until eight years later. You know, a lot of people have to accept it first because a lot of people, well, for me, I had to accept it first. So after I accepted it, 
that's when the shame and the guilt every time I relapsed or having that conscience of what am I doing Correct. started slowly beating at me. Because before it was, I ain't got no problem. I got this. Right. So right. eventually after self beatdowns and after self letdowns and so many losses, you know, that I done gave away so many blessings, my family, my friends, my jobs, my, uh, my kids. Cause mind you, my wife, I got, I got two kids that my wife helped raise. Okay. Me and my wife, I want, but she helped me raise two kids during my addiction Amazing. on her own. God bless on her own. So what led me to that rock bottom I got honest. It goes back to being honest. I stopped. I stopped praying for myself in a way that I was saying, God, I won't do it again. God, give me one more chance. One day I got down, you know, and I said, God, I'm not going to stop. I changed my word. And so those that are watching this program, you got to stop, you know, stop lying to yourself. Amen. You lying to yourself and you lying to God. I stopped lying to myself and then God said, God, and I'm giving this prayer out because this is what I want all the viewers to do that's struggling with this disease. I said, God, if you got something good for me in life, if, if it's anything good, if I got a shot to go into paradise, if I got a shot to getting everything back plus more, God, please. Please, can you take this away from me? Because I'm not going to stop. I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I said, if you, because I'm not, I said, I'm, I'm, I apologize for, for, for saying I'm going to stop. And then I stopped knowing deep in my heart that I'm not going to stop. I got honest. And when I got honest, I didn't stop. It ain't just happened overnight. It took me three more months. I got up out of bed and God answered my prayer. Wow, boom. I got up out of listen, man. I got up and I was I was working. I was cause I had stopped uh cutting hair because I wanted to do my program. Right. You know how that go. You know, yeah, that's I funny. Thing. No, I'm gonna just leave the area, stop cutting, cause it's the barbershop. It's the barbershop. Right. And the people there, so I go up and, and become a security guard at the welfare. And uh so I get up out of bed and I would start putting on my clothes, and every morning I would I would hit my wife up. My wife know like, yo, I need I need twenty hours to get to work. She knew I was lying, right? But you know, I, I got to I got to get moving, right. and uh, I woke up that day, and I sat on the side of the bed, and I said, I'm done. Oh man, I said, I'm done. Amen, um, man. And I ain't look back. Oh my God, that's crazy, man. <laughs> That's and so dope. It ain't been easy. I know. I know. I did not look, but God took that that burning desire for that moment. He He took it away. He answered my prayer, and I knew it was from, from God. And to this day, I know it's from God, and I'm not playing with God like that. Nah, we can't. We don't do that here. We love God. God is hey. No playing with God. Listen, if I if, listen, let me tell them. Let me tell the viewers something, man. And of course, me being clean, my son got shot three times. I just buried my uh, my daughter's mother, 
last week. No, uh, three weeks ago. I lost friends. My, thank you. My uncle died a day after her. Damn. Me and my wife went through some rough, 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 rough waves. And I did not use. Amen, man. That's, that's what's I up. Did not use. See, see, see. What you have to learn is blame the drug. If anything good happened, blame the drug. See, see, sometimes when stuff good happens, we get excited and we want to go celebrate. No, blame that drug. Blame, man, this is happening because of the drug because I could have been did this. See, I didn't train my mind. Nice. I like that. You flipped it. And bad. Right. Man, I, like, like me talking to you right now, I could have been did this. This makes me hate the drug, even though I still I still love it. But if right. it, it comes up that psychological thing. Right, right. Uh, the mental disorder Correct. that we have. And, and, and when things bad happen, oh, oh, this only happened because of the drugs. Right, correct. You know, so, so when death comes, when life show up, I don't think about this. Correct. I think about being focused and sane. And I've been through so much since I've been sober. You won't, you won't even believe it. But I love it. For some sick, crazy reason, I love it. I love it. I love it. The good and the bad, I love it. Come on, bring it. Bring it, right? Bring it, right? <laughs> You're a powerful human being, man. So you got. So let me ask you this. Now, did you, so you went cold turkey? No, I went to rehab. Okay, I went beautiful. I went yeah, I learned about my disease. Good. Got down. Um, I got therapy. I talked to the psychiatrist. I've been to one rehab. I've been to detox like 10 times, but I've been to one rehab. And that's all it took. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope y'all hearing this. This is important. You and my story overlap perfectly, man. I got on my knees, gave my life to God. Mm-hmm. Told God I was done. I was burnt. I said, God, I don't want to die. Threw my hell, Mary. Somehow that propelled me to go to detox, went to rehab, stayed there for a year. Um, I wanted to learn everything about my addiction and me. And the thing that you said that most yeah. people always leave out is the therapy. It's the therapy, brother. It's like going to that therapy, doing that while I was doing the addiction, going to AA, praying, working out, learning how to meditate eating well, taking life seriously and getting serious, learning to grow up, man. It, it was the most liberating thing, but it couldn't happen if I didn't get on my knees and literally keep it real with God. Like with that, with that one prayer, you can't bullshit in that moment with God. You have to be real. You gotta and, be real. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's what I love about what you're saying. And um, I'm glad you went to rehab. I'm glad you went to therapy. How long was you in rehab for? I was away all together for like 36 days. 36 days. Wow. 30, 36, uh, 38. 38. Right. Yeah. So the 30 days, all right, boom. So we got you for 30 days. So then now after rehab, what was the first course of action? You get out of rehab, you brand new, you got the shit out your system. Where was your mind at? I was still sick, man. Okay. I, you know, for me, a lot of things were still cloudy because my mind was still waking up from the abuse. You know, but I know I didn't want to go back and use. 
So first thing I did was call my sponsor, you know, and a lot of the way I roll is old school. That's why I'm out in the field and everything because of my sponsor. Um, so that's the first thing I did, you know, and um, I started speaking. They told me I got to wait 30 days after I got out of rehab. I was up there that following week. I <laughs> know that. I going consistently until Corona every week. No, every two weeks. Okay. Or every week. I, it's been it's been a minute because they because do, do, do you do the online? Um, um, it was NA. I was doing. Uh, I was going to the rehab, so it's NA. It's everything. Oh, it's everything. Yeah, you take what you could get, right? That's what I be doing. I, I went. I went right back to the same rehab I came out of. Right. A week, seven days. Yeah. And we've been speaking there ever since. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Um. So that's how you. So let me ask you this. From speaking, that's what sparked Soldiers for Recovery. How do we get to the point to where you trailblazing and helping all these people? I, I wanted to do more. I wanted to reach more people. And it's funny, um, I didn't know how how could I do it. And I was inspired by uh, a few people from the city. Um, guy, you know, everybody know him now, Wallow267. Yeah, Wallow's doing some things, man. That's what's up. That was my brother's, that's my brother Selly for five years. My brother, uh, but anyway, I don't, like, that's my brother, homie. Like, I right. don't, like, he don't, the way he rolled was how he rolled. Like, right, you know, right. I mean, but anyway, I watched this video. Yeah. And he said, yo, you got the world in your hands, man. Right. You want to reach the world, talk to people, meet people, help people. And once he said that word help, it clicked. Right. 2018, July 25th, the day of my, uh, uh, the day that I um, went into rehab. I went out there and made my first video, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Is that the one on YouTube? I've seen one on you. Like yeah, That's the one on YouTube. And um, I primarily use Instagram. Right, right. But you have some classic stuff on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some old stuff on there. You know, I was loading some. I, I need to. I need to load more. But uh, yeah, that's what started me. I started in 2018, July 25th, the day I went to rehab. I was inspired by him, and it's another brother, uh, Beast B McFly. Okay. Got to tap. Uh, reach out to that brother. That brother. Uh, that brother. He got a story, man. That's what's up. I will. I will. Um. Down. Tap into him. Um. I watched him too because he started the same year as I did. Yeah, but he's just he's he's you think I'm something? Yeah, he's a different and um. So I was primarily inspired by uh, those two to uh, you know, to bring what I'm doing to social media because I was a not afraid, but you know that thought that what people gonna think, and then I just realized, man, it ain't about what people think. It's about helping myself first. Right, right. And it's going to help others. Right, right. So I just, I just, I just go. You got to go. And uh, you know what? Service is service in itself is one of the best things to keep us clean and sober, brother. 
the yeah. service of others. Like I do this whole thing because I remember the darkness. Like it's no way I forgot the crazy twisted shit. Hey. And I, hey, that's the key. You got to remember people forget that shit and they sleep on it and they that's think right. they just go out and play games and then right. they get jammed up. So that's why I do what I do. Right. I'm, I'm not scared, but I'm scared of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we can't like, I feel like if I fuck up, I'm gonna die being, I don't want to die. I can't go back with that shit. I don't, I can't live that life. And I love how you show us the like you go right where it's happening. That gotta be the ultimate reminder of where you don't want to be. Cause you seeing people going through it, you know, um, your, your town, what town, is it Philly or Baltimore you're in? Philly. You're in Philly. So we neighbors, man. Yo, in New York, I, I can't, there's no place where you could see the addiction that real, like how you show it. Like, what's going on out there? Like, why is people all on the street? What What's that block you show where it's just people laying out on the floor and all that? That's, uh, they call it Kensington Beach. That's in Kensington Beach. It's located in North Philly under, under the market Frankfurt L. Um, whenever you want to come down, we go up there, man. We can get some video, and uh, I, I I take you on a tour. Um, it's a it's an area in North Philly where um, the mayor, right? You know, I'm not I'm, yeah, I'm not scared to call names. Mayor Kenny, okay. Got Mayor Kenny. You got um, the senators in that area. You know, that area is hands off. You know, nobody want to touch it. I mean, they don't want to do nothing. They they making too much money not doing nothing. That's crazy. Man. Got a place up there. It's called a uh, prevention point where Governor Ed Rendell. I don't know if he's still a governor, but yeah, I'm calling your name. I'm not scared of you. I only fear God. Homie. Amen. Amen. See this. He sits on a. Uh, he owns the pro. Uh, he either owns the program, or uh, he owns the building. And the mayor of Philadelphia sits on. He's one of the members of the board. They get forty million a year off this building, off this allegedly program to help save people. And it sits right in in the thick of all that. The addicts go there to get needles and drug paraphernalia legally which is all over up there on the ground. You got kids, you know, that done caught AIDS, hepatitis, A, B, and C because of the needles. They don't have no cleanup crew up there. They're giving out. They got kits. They, show, they got kits on how to snort, how they got, they're giving out pipes for people to smoke crack in in this building that the mayor knows about in Philadelphia as well as the governor, Evan Dell. That's insane. So it's money. That's it's a money game. It's a so money what game. They're doing, what they're doing, they letting it run down up there. So another kind of people can come up there and buy everything up. Right, right. Some form of gentrification or something like that, right? Absolutely. But they're sacrificing black and brown babies. Oh, man. That's the sacrifice. Because yet you got a condo, condos being built three blocks away. 
that ain't for that. That ain't for us. Right, right. That ain't for the community. That's crazy, man. So that in particular area is not just infested. It's beyond that. They call that the Mecca. The Mecca. The Mecca. They, they call that the holy land of heroin. People come from across the world to go there because you can get high freely, openly. It's, 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 it's just like... <laughs> It's just like what you call that country where people go and get high, and do all kinds of Canada, one of them places. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. From California. Oh yeah, the Amsterdam or one of them. I know what you're talking there you about. Go. Yeah, there you, go. you got people from England, London, Paris, Canada, Jamaica. Uh, all they all come there just to use. Just to use. That's crazy. The, nobody, the news don't cover this shit. Nothing. No police. Nothing. It's you got police out there, but they not intervening unless a violent crime happens or right. somebody OD. It, it's all ordered. It's hand down, hands off, everything. That's right there. I heard of a story of, of, of a cop helping an addict shoot the shoot the needle in the neck. Oh my god, man. Yeah. Do they label this under harm reduction and then use that as an excuse to give these people all of these paraphernalia? There you go. You hit the nail right on the nose. Right, right. That's when harm reduction goes too far. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's disgusting, man. So, so my thing is to continue to help, man, the best way I can. Nah, you're doing your show. Just by shedding light to it, you bringing that to the world. That's like sometimes people need someone to witness their story because you keep doing that and eventually you're going to get a phone call from someone powerful, man. Say, what the, like, you know, that awareness, it touched me because, I mean, the other day you showed somebody OD. It was somebody ODing, right? Like, you filmed them ODing or something? It was like, really? No, that, that, was a, that was just one of my messages. Okay. I give out a message. That was a message. That was a friend of mine um, okay. on, on that video because he's a uh, he's a recovering addict at, uh, as well. Got you. Got you. That was like, the media company you've been building. You've been building a media company to show people exactly. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all it's just all messages to show people that this can be them. This can be me. Right. So these are these are people, aunts, uncles, sons, cousins, friends. This, you know, that woman out there selling her body, that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's mother, that's somebody's child. You know, that 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 man out there, that's somebody's father, that's somebody's son. That's crazy. That's what somebody's was, uncle. What was the origin point? You think so all of this started with the pills getting out of hand and the heroin and then the methadone treatment, keeping people hooked on it. So it's like this cycle where they never really get off. It was it was it was it was designed that way. In 1996, when that opioid, when was it 96 or 97 Percocets, the FDA approved it. Right. See, see, the rabbit hole run deep. They approved it. What happened next? 9-11. What they do in 9-11? What they do? What they do? The Muslims over there started burning what? What the, the, the town? Field in the poppy fields. Oh, okay. Huh? Huh? 
You notice every war, see, this thing deep, every war is over drugs. The, 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 the one, uh, uh, Hiroshima, Japan, and all of them. Yeah. Think about New York, right? The board, what's the drug board name? He was flying over there. For the opiates. Yeah, it was over drugs, opiates. Yeah, the opium. So, so here you have, here you have, dumbed, air proven, basically the pill form of heroin. Then they go over there, they, you know, uh, uh, they were ordered not to stop the oil from burning. You stop them from burning the weed fields in the opiate fields in Afghanistan. That's crazy. Now, once they seize that, once they seize that, you know, they already approved the joint in 96, no, 97, one or two years. Now, you notice in the early, after 9-11, what they've been pushing out a lot, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, Percocets. Percocets, right, right. Now, 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 let's speed it all up now. Look at look at everybody. Why is it an epidemic? It's because we got the weed filled. That's why weed is is now, you know, legal. Legal, right. Epidemic, it, it's all over this country. Not just over the country, all over the world. It's no coincidence. This stuff was planned and designed. That's why, that's why the company that's responsible for the 512, they got to pay that 50 billion lawsuit. The Sackler family. Because they know. Right. The money, the money's not a problem. They they planned all this. I was I was courting that, man. Yeah, that shit. Serious. I was courting that. Them niggas, excuse me. They yeah. sacrificed it. Everybody. <clears throat> yeah, man. <clears throat> nah. That every- country is built off of. That's sad, man. And it's not and and the thing is, we we trying to figure out, you know, what do we do now with someone now? Now you have this gaps, people get injured, they don't want to prescribe nothing now. They don't have no way to get them on pain management. You gotta deal with pain management. Then you got the people who's already hooked from the pain management. These are anyone. It could be any moms that like you said, like you hear horror stories of just people having to do heroin by default because they're in so much pain, but these drugs got them all messed up. It's a big problem, man. And um, I don't know. It's like one of those things that's so big, you don't know where to start, but it starts by talking about it. Right? I mean, it, it definitely starts by talking about it, but we have to have a plan and action for those that want to help. See, the those that are out there, like in Kensington, where I'm at with them, you know, you really, the only thing we can do for them is just show up. Right. Or, you know, because when you're at that point, like I was, you ain't, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to be ready. You know, right. so it has something in place for those who are, who are ready in right. that. Area. Right. You know, because every day I go up there, somebody is going into rehab. You know what I'm saying? Okay, good. So they get to a point, they done. They yeah, done. Yeah. There's no location up there. It is the prevention point where they're giving out all this drug paraphernalia there as well. They are doing something, but it, it but the harm outweighs the good. Right. There's no more harm out there than good. That whole place needs to go, you know, and I'm working on something with that. But it needs to be it needs to be a plan of action. You know, there needs to be some some programs in place for the people that really want to help in these areas, you know, and that's what Soldiers for Recovery is working on now. 
as we speak. That's so a I'm, big I'm, I'm going to have a resource center in that area. I love it. I'm going. It's needed. And then we counseling for the children. They need therapy for coming outside and seeing what they're seeing. See, see, they they done took away the rec centers. They done took away, you know, they got a stigma. If you go talk to somebody, especially as black men or black and brown men or any color, it doesn't matter that we can't go and talk. They don't, they don't ever, you notice, they don't advertise counseling for kids no more on TV. Right. On a broad base. Right. These these kids need that back in their face again. Correct, correct. And parents need to know that it's okay to go get help. That that the parents, you need, you got trauma that you're dealing with and you need to go get help. Right. It's okay. It's okay, but how are we raised when we kids? Don't you better not tell nothing. Yeah, keep it all men, You don't say nothing. You better man up. Yeah, but worst advice ever. We weren't. Right. So it needs to be some, you know, the building is already broken down. Right. right. Foundation broken, but building up, these are the things that needs to be in place. And eventually it'll trickle out into the world. Right. At bare minimum, they deserve to have a place where they can get treatment for God's sake. That's like bare minimum, man. Um, and I think it's a state by state basis because in New York it's so easy to like, all you got to do is walk into a place and then they just send you to rehab. It ain't, it's not like, I don't know how you guys are so close and it's this disconnect. That's why we got to get people. Look, I have some powerful people I know in New York that I'm going to try to like figure out who they know in Philly. And when you ready to get things started on your end to build your thing, let's compare. I'm ready, ready, man. Because I have never seen nothing like that. What you be showing online looks like something apocalyptic, man. It is apocalyptic for God's sake. Listen, come, listen, you, I, listen, I strongly suggest, come on down. Yeah. I mean, we say, I mean, we, you know, it's dangerous, but. <laughs> yeah. nah, we all right. We, all right. we, we, we can handle we, right. we know how to move, so. Right, and, right. And like, and like, know who we are. Like, people know, okay, that's so just for recovery. Right, right. You know what I mean? And so we don't, we don't have no trouble. Nah, I'm not worried about that. That's what's up. So you have a team? Is it just you, or do you are you building a team? It's me and my brother. That's your brother that's in the pictures? That's my brother. My, that's my brother. That's dope, man. That's dope. You that's know, he came back in town, and, um, you know, he linked up, man. It's just it's just me and him. Of course, uh, um, uh, of course my wife, you know what I mean? She supports my wife and my kids. They behind me, hundred and you know two hundred percent. Right. But as far as going out like all the time, that's it's, it's me and my brother. Um, tell me about the rally that I saw the other day. What was that about? The uh, march. So you was doing something. Oh, oh, um, yeah, the rally was about it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a L stop, like a, a train stop. Yeah, and um, it's it's infested. It was infested, you know due to the drug drug abuse in that area. You know, it's a lot of robberies going on right there. A lot of, you know, people ODing, people dying. And at the same time, the people of that, of that community, you know, 
they still have to go to work. Their kids still have to go to school. So we were marching because we were marching to send a message like, yo, septic cops, the mayor, y'all got to do something. Like, why shut this down? Why do this community have to suffer? Because y'all not doing your job with the, with the addicts and the drugs that's going on within the community. Why don't y'all have real resources for the people that's sick in this community? Right, right. So the march was about, you know, them doing something instead of letting the people who are not on drugs, letting the people, the kids that have to go to school and use that L, you know, uh, 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 to get where they need to go. Some people going to lose their jobs because y'all not doing your job. That's such a, yeah, that's serious, man. You know, so, so I wound up talking that day. It, it wasn't planned, but going home, got my hands. I went on. Yeah. I went off, man. Right, right. Yo, man, you're incredible, bro. Like, it's not easy what you're doing. Uh, not, man. They ain't gonna like me. They ain't gonna like me. Don't yeah. be surprised if you find out, oh, slam my sound, so Curry got locked up over some tickets. They're gonna make up something. Because I ain't got no felonies or nothing. But yeah. they're not... Well, you know what? We'll seal, we'll seal, we'll seal you under the protection of the Most High that they can't touch you, brother. Like we got supernatural protection because you're born to do something greater, and they can't touch that. What will happen is you'll go down in history as making a change and doing something remarkable, right? Because the people we're waiting for in the Bible, the prophets, and you know, all we they come through us, and then we have to step up and do the right thing because, and that's it. Listen, listen, man. Everybody got a gift. Right. Everybody got a calling. And even when I used to get high, I used to say, God, bless me with a gift or talent. Something that you bless one of the peoples of the past. Right. One of the prophets' messages. Right. God mentioned in the holy books, the Bible, the Quran. Right. That's right. Give me their gifts. Right. The right. ones that you mentioned, and guess what? I said the ones that you didn't mention that we don't even know about. Right, right. That's what's up, brother. The ones we don't even know even about. Even when I was getting high. But I know my purpose today, and I know my gift. My gift, no, my purpose is to help people save their lives from this disease of addiction. Amen. My purpose is to talk. No, the gift is to talk. Right, right. You it's definitely have that, people, But in order, just like you, you got the same gift, brother. Amen. Thank you. Listen to us. In order, though, to have this gift and carry this mission out, all the prophets and powerful people, non-prophets that we know about and don't know about, even the other messengers, like Malcolm, he was a messenger. Right. Like, uh, Here's a whole list of them. Right. They had the gift of what? To talk. People listen. We got one of the best gifts of the world, man. Right, right. So I'll use it and continue to use it until I die to help people from drugs, alcohol, self-pain, just the self-destruction. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. If it was a million dollars, on the other side of the room, million dollars 
on the other side of the room and they say, look, it's on the other side of the room and all you got to do is walk through that door. Would you do it? Any sane man to say, yeah. Right. You know what I tell the people? That's your recovery. Go get the bag. Go get the bag. Yeah. Go get the bag. <laughs> That's what's up. Go get the bag. The other side of that room right there. Right, right, right. Go get the bag. Go get the bag, man. Oh man, your brother, you, you, you. This has been wonderful, man. So look, you got to do me a favor before we wrap. You got to do, you got to do an intro for us, man. You got to do your famous "I am" for us, man. Please, so I can put that. Yeah, I gotta do it. You can do it, huh? No, me running. Nah, whatever you want, man. You can do it sitting there, man. Like, just sit. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one and only Salim and Hassan, brother. I got you. Uh, I got you. This is my God, man. I am Suleyma Hassan, and this is so just for recovery. And one may say, what is Suleyma Hassan going to speak on today? There we go, brother. There we go. That <laughs> that's what's up. That's it. I love it. That's it. You. That's it, brother. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we gonna intro this. I'm gonna cut that out. We gonna intro it. But um, yeah. So where um, can you let everyone know where they can find you, my brother? Oh man, you can find me on Instagram, Soldiers for Recovery. Also, you can find me on um. What's that? What else I got? YouTube. Same thing. Soldiers for recovery. And can um, you tell us about your um, donation program and how important it is to continue to donate to get the help for helping the people in Kensington? Okay. Absolutely. Um, for donations, monetary donations, uh, you can go to my cash app. It's S-U-L-H-A-S-S-A-N-428. Every Monday I go out, I use the donations that are given to soldiers for recovery to buy food, supply clothing, and toiletries. Donations are always needed because people always need things, and they are greatly appreciated when soldiers for recovery show up and we blessing them. And if you want your prayers answered, you got to give because I'm praying for you guys to, to, to be able to help help others. And God loves those who help others. So every Monday I go out and I go out to these places in these areas to help men, women, and children. Um, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to soldiers. Uh, it's, it's go to at help soldiers for recovery dot org. That's my website. On my website, you will find out. You can read up more about what I do in the communities, not just in Philadelphia, but around surrounding counties as well. Um, if you would like to get motivation for the day, um, you can, like I said, you can go to Soldiers for Recovery on Instagram. Every day, I'm on there giving out a message. And if you don't have Instagram, guess what? I'm on Facebook. So All you can right. go to Soldiers for Recovery on Facebook. And you can find me there every morning. There's a nice message on there for you to help you, you know, get by through the day or just to give you a reminder or um, if you got videos yourself, you can hashtag Soldiers for Recovery and it'll go to the Soldiers for Recovery hashtag as well. Dope, dope. You know, so if you want to, you know, add to the uh, purpose, you can be a part of that as well because the people need you. 
You know, and like I always say, Soldiers for Recovery, I don't own it. God owns it. And if you want to be a part of God's work, join the team that God created called Soldiers for Recovery. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, as promised, this guy is the real deal. I wouldn't lie to you. You know, I love y'all out here. There's people on the front line really helping addicts and people that's in trouble in real time. As we close out, remember, never forget the darkness. That's the one thing. Don't lie to yourself. Have courage. Be courageous. And go get that bag of recovery, right? That million dollars on the other side of the door is your recovery, right? Brother, I I love what you're doing. You know, um, thank you. You really inspired me, man. And I'm so happy we we was able to link today. And I I really appreciate you. You can close out with any final blessings you want to give to the community. And then we can wrap there. All right. One more thing I meant to add. Uh, Something else is uh, going to be Soldiers for Recovery Kids coming soon uh, that I'm putting together. Um, I think it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be for your kids and um, to help them cope with the trauma and everything else and bring laugh, joy, smiles to their face. But I really want to first thank thank you, brother. Thank your platform, your viewers, the Sober Dope, Sober Dope platform. I've been watching you guys, and I, I this is like something that I could never expect happen. So I want to say a prayer for you. Thank you, brother. And if you guys are you know, say a prayer with me. Yeah, God, please protect this young man in this program. Grant him success in this life as well as the next. Allow his message to, cre- to, to reach across the water, the water, and help lives that of people that we never met or seen before. Let Sober is Dope reach across the continent and get across on TVs and movie screens eventually to reach the people that we cannot see because the people that we cannot see are those are the most infected and need this help. And all praises. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Much love and peace. That prayer right back to you. May God bless you. May you be sealed and may nothing, no harm before us ever. Right? And we go out and do the good word. I'll holler at you. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. That's a wrap for our episode with Soldiers for Recovery. I love you all, and I'll catch you on the other side.